Welcome to the Odd Opinions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Odd Opinions. I am Cameron Lopez, and I have with me these other oddities. First is Gareth McConaughey. Hello. And Ray Johnson. What's up? Nathan Frissenshaft. Hello. What's up, everyone? What's up? Uh, Today we're talking about belief in the age of information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hit the wrong button. Wow, trying to put our audience to sleep already. Belief in the age of information. I got to get these button things down. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we brought up this topic. Uh, well, I, I just read The Stranger by Albert Camus, and it got me very existential. You know, I start thinking about belief and death and all that. So, um, yeah, we, we should start off with, like, how belief is defined, I guess, by the Webster's Dictionary. Let us know, Miriam. Lay it down. So... What we got here, it says a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing. And the second definition is something that is accepted, considered to be true or held as an opinion, something believed. Believed. Trust. Trust is important. Yes, definitely. To we had a I have a conversation. Perfect. I had a conversation with my coworker way back when. You remember him, Wakefield. Yeah, uh, we were talking about belief. Yes. Wakefield Ball, shout out. <laughs> we we're uh, <laughs> we we're talking about uh, just belief in general, and I was like, you don't. If you know something for a fact, then you can't believe it. You know, it it um what it, what technically me like I'm wrong. Well, technically false. I mean, you you have evidence that you put your belief in. Uh-huh. Let me let me hit but you with evidence, that sixteen and deep, bro. You don't know anything. Nothing is real. You only believe that your reality exists. There's truth to that. However, however, actually, yeah, so everything kind of takes belief. I yeah. think if you know all the facts that it erases belief, there can't really. He he brought up the point where I don't know he that said, it erases it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, right. I don't know that it he erases. Cut you off. Well, I kind of did, yeah, <laughs> I guess, in a way. <laughs> I don't know that it erases all belief, but it definitely takes away some of the necessity of believing in it when you actually have facts it erases faith yeah so this that's well, the conversation that cameron and i were having the other day yeah we'll get there we'll get yeah. there his point was that you could tell me because he was into race cars like gareth and then but uh he said if you tell me a car can go zero to 60 in 1.6 seconds okay in 1.6 seconds you know, <laughs> he's like you can say i'll believe it when i see it and then after he sees it happen, he'll be like, now I believe it. Yeah. That, you mean, you can say that, but I think you're using the, ro- the word wrong. Because in order for you to believe something, I think that there has to be an element of unknown to where you could, you can't say, I believe that car will do it now because you've seen it do it. You can say, I know that car can do it now. But, yeah. And then you brought well, up this then, point when we were talking on the phone that you can believe that it'll do it in the future. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But even then, there's still that element of unknown because it is in the future. Yeah. So it requires a, some level of belief, but you have evidence that it is possible. That it's done it before. Right. Mm-hmm. I think faith it, is... It makes it almost a hypothesis instead of a... 
a belief statement anymore because you have proof that it has done it. Therefore, it can do it again. Yeah. There's still the unknown. There's still a little bit of the unknown because there, nothing is 100% provable. Except for that statement. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, shoot, I'm kind of getting lost on my points here. It's okay. We'll cut this out. I believe, <laughs> I believe, I believe that Cameron's getting a little lost in what he's trying to say here. Yeah. So just in order, in order to believe something, I think that you have to have an element of unknown because otherwise you just know it. Faith comes in, I think when there's not enough evidence i don't know there's like give me that Merriam. yeah give it the, the Merriam. call my old boy Merriam webster nathan what do you think the difference between faith and belief i don't think there is a difference between faith and belief which is well, why, why they're used two interchangeably they're used interchangeably i believe in christ um, i have faith they are the same statements not yeah. really mm-hmm. if you have faith in christ you believe in christ it doesn't mean that your faith is a hundred percent or unassailable it means that you have belief in him Faith is the is the evidence of of something Subs- not substance, seen. Substance of things hoped for. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. So it says that faith is something that is believed, especially with strong conviction. It's it is in the definition. It cannot be. It is belief. <laughs> he just said it's belief. It's just a I more think, powerful I belief. Think, yeah, I think faith is more like like concrete like you like i have faith in this like yeah like this is true even though i don't know all the facts it's true belief is like it's the next step beyond i think faith is the next step step beyond beyond. okay yeah 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 i don't think that that. faith is belief but six years in the gym and a great (laughs) diet (laughs) so there's this thing called terror management theory have any of you heard of that? No. Just now, yeah. I'm scared to ask. <laughs> so, Terra... Wait, can we bring up that laugh? Terra management theory. It's... This is uh, uh, for dummies version. But it's, if you're going to... Well, the good thing. Yeah. <laughs> good thing you got a bunch of dumb people in this podcast. Humans know that they're going to die. That's the one thing that's unique about humans. Do we know or do we believe? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if like other animals <laughs> no, think about I, their eventual death. We know deaths, we're going to die know? sometime. But I think that no, humans... we don't know we're going to die until it happens because we can only have knowledge once it's been witnessed, right? That's what we were just saying earlier, which means that we believe that we are all human and mortal and will die. So if we, we, if do, we yeah, yeah, yeah. believe that we won't die, we'll never die. That's what Nathan's saying. There's I'm a, just saying there's a chance... There, there is a, a very small chance that does. There's a small chance <laughs> that you might not die, but for the most part, you know, humans are the only animal that know that death is inevitable. No matter how much we store up, there how much we save, no how how high up our nest is, or how much shelter we have, we we're gonna die eventually. And whether people recognize how much that terrifies them or not, it does. And every human, ha- like once they learn about their uh, mortality. There's there's a state of terror that like is underlying all of our decisions at that point, and that's terror management theory. That we manage that that existential terror um, by throwing ourselves into belief systems. Yeah. So it's the fear of death as a motivator. Yeah, and those belief systems give the world around us meaning and gives our life um, purpose, significance. Yeah. 
Do you think animals know, they're aware of death, they know how to react to death, but do you think they know that they themselves will die? That's the thing. I think that humans are the only ones that do, because everyone else thinks that, I think that all the other animals think that if they can fight everything off, then they'll just live forever. I think dolphins can. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I I think dolphins are the only other species that Raise the world's hardest dolphin fanboy. (laughs) No, No, he likes the Packers. He's got faith in dolphins. He doesn't he just believe in dolphins. He's got faith in <laughs> dolphins. Got faith I got faith in dolphins. <laughs> no. Except for the Miami Except dolphins. for the Miami. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line. That's it. Oh, yeah, terror management theory. That's it. Uh, so yeah. do you think that's a good, like, driver to believe in something? I think it just is what it is. You know, it, it doesn't make it good <laughs> or bad. It's just like we, we know we're going to die, and we kind of throw ourselves into these into these into these belief systems just so we could feel a part of something you know yeah sometimes it do be like that something <laughs> we can we can throw ourselves into something <laughs> that's bigger than ourselves and that will outlive us and that gives us a sense of immortality so do you think that because of our knowledge of uh an understanding of our own demise at some point that is why we come up with these systems of beliefs or that is why humans came up with some sorts of systems of beliefs to kind of mm-hmm. cope with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the important yeah. question. I don't know. I think... Oh, go ahead. I don't know about every single system of belief, but it is a credible theory when you see there are definitely people who, instead of coping with things um, head on, they will hide behind some kind of rigid structure of belief so that they don't have to... They have an answer for everything, basically. Yeah. They, they not only meaning, but anytime someone has something, they can deflect with something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of people. We all probably all know somebody that's like that. That will just hide behind a belief structure from someone else. Yeah, so right. that they don't have to face the things in their own life that give them fear or terror. Yeah. Well, the fear of the unknown is one of the biggest fears that we face as human beings. Mm-hmm. So if we can try to explain away, yeah, I mean, in every aspect of fear there is an element of unknown that is a part of it that makes it more fearful for us so Mm -hmm. just to back that up there was a study that was like conducted and they had like there was a door that was unknown and it it could be a punishment it could not be and they gave them like 10 whips (laughs) and they were like which one would you choose and like 90 percent of people were like i'll take the whipping because i know what it is Yeah. yeah yeah Unknown is scary. Death is the ultimate unknown. Mm-hmm. To die would be an awfully big adventure. <laughs> so are you saying that online modern games just pedal in the terror of the unknown with all these random loot boxes? What? <laughs> you have to explain that one. <laughs> Today's modern age of monetization, it's not just games. It actually creeps into a lot of these boxes that you can buy from other people. You never know what's inside it. Like a and butcher a, box. It's supposed or to be an exciting thing. Bespoke box on there. Right? Yeah. That mo- a lot of those people are like, what's my? What's the good thing that I get? And then we all get sad when we get <laughs> bad things out of them anyway. Because you do get bad things out of them, right? Something yeah. you not, don't want. You just wasted yeah. your money. But if they want to sponsor us. So are they, <laughs> are, they, are, they, are they peddling in some kind of perverse psychology that so. that uh uses that theory of terror to make someone choose the unknown instead of choosing the known maybe because it is intriguing uh, if it's not like too much of a cost right well yeah. even can, if it is for some people like it, it outweighs like the 
That's like gambling. Per, People the will put their house good. on the line. Yeah. The perceived good of whatever they're doing outweighs any cost that is now. And it's like, oh, but in the future, I can get it all back. And that's one of the gambler fallacies is like, yeah. oh, I'm down $200. But if I bet $200, then I'd be up 400 yeah, You know, yeah. and you'd be like, no, that's not how this works. You've, you've already lost that. That's a sunken cost fallacy. Right. I'm just well. trying to even out. You know, at the bottom, there's only one way to go. Mm-hmm. Straight up, baby. Yeah. So, But it's not like the ultimate sacrifice. It's not the ultimate cost so it's not like super heavy weighted, you know, that decision. So the unknown is not going to have such a drastic uh, consequence, right? If you, like, say you order a box of different kind of ties, you don't know what they're going to be. You order like neckties, you know. And they all come in <laughs> snot green when you yeah, get them. <laughs> exactly. You have no idea what ties you're going to get. You're going to have a box of like five ties. They're all and Christmas ties. They're all going to be. <laughs> Ray would be in absolutely mad. Furious. Yeah, furious. yeah, he'd be yeah. furious. <laughs> um, but that's not like a huge cost because if you just get some ties you don't like, it's like, well, I didn't even know what I was going to get anyway, so it could happen, yeah. I think, though, that the unknown itself is not necessarily the terrifying part. It is part of the fear, but I think what's truly terrifying about, like, deep space or death or any of those things is the high potential, the extremely high potential to be cut off from everything you've ever known before. It's not necessarily that it's unknown. It's that Mm. it is the only, it will become your entire world no matter what it is. What do people yeah. fear so much about death? Like why does it why does it well the finality of it. It's Yeah, because you, and cease, you don't you, and you cease. Something new starts but you cease. You cease. And you don't know what's after. You don't know if there is anything after. You don't know if it's yeah. it's like, oh, I'm just going to be, you know, in heaven hell or in some cases it's just limbo it's Are literally you'll be a cockroach I, when you reincarnate who yeah. wants to be a cockroach in ecclesiastes it says who knows when you die like who knows if your soul goes up or stays down or an animal's goes up and stays down all dogs yeah. go to heaven there's a movie about it yeah you yeah. gotta yeah. There's keep actually yourself two. informed okay yeah, yeah car face <laughs> car face I don't know. The element of the unknown. So in the age that we're living in today, the unknown is becoming smaller and smaller, or so they think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually becoming larger and larger. Um, A lot of people are clinging on to the popular known. What is the popular public sphere of what is known so that they can ignore all the things they don't really know? I I can't remember the stat, so I don't want to give you a bogus stat, but people overestimate the amount of knowledge that actually exists on the internet or that they've heard. Like, if I asked you, what's happening in Nigeria on the eastern on the eastern border um, and how do they take care of their livestock over there? You would have a hard time looking that up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, there's so many billions of pieces of information that you don't know about and there's no way for you to access it. The, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't really know anything. You yeah. know, the more you learn, yeah. the realize you more you realize that there's more to learn than you can ever learn in one lifetime. And, and that I think hinders some people because sure. some people don't want to start learning because the of that realization. Yeah. Some people kind of bottle themselves up and they they stick in this one lane where they're not allowing themselves to dig too deep into subjects or dig mm-hmm. too deep into the unknown because they're afraid of what they'll learn and they'll afraid 
that there's they'll find out there's a whole lot of other stuff that they won't learn they won't know they'll have more questions unanswered than the one that they have right now so do you mm-hmm. think religion does that i think i know in a way. this is a deep conversation that maybe yeah. we don't want to get into but are you saying people Wait, that people? form that religion are you talking about the the basis the, of that belief the people who are in that religion because Absolutely a lot of a lot of them it, will put themselves in a box it, that it it limits exploration oh yeah yeah definitely i mean look it at can. the crusades at no at like half of the crusades most of those people weren't thinking maybe we can convert these guys to christianity <laughs> or maybe we could just learn to get along but they were not, just thinking let's kill these guys if they get in our way and take yeah. their stuff it's not just religion though because even in science like meditation was frowned upon and shunned in the scientific community until just recently you know yeah. but it's i mean now everyone realizes the benefits to it but it took years of trying to get past that um that veil yeah just having it be a pejorative like in religion what's a pejorative in religion i think there's a new age of faith and belief that people are trying to keep trying to say that isn't happening where these appeals to authority and to scientific knowledge and they all say oh yeah of course we don't know everything but what they're the unsaid part is but we know most things is they think they know that these authorities know so much that what they don't know is inconsequential to the information that they're giving you. Yeah. People don't really mind if you tell them that they're, I mean, people do mind a lot if you tell them that they're wrong about something, but the deeper down you go in their psychology, philosophy, whatever, like when you get down to the axioms, the things that they believe just because they kind of have to, to build everything up on it, although they don't really know about it like us, like God is real. Yeah. There's no way to really prove that. But like, there's no way to disprove it. Yeah, right. Yeah. But there's no I way to. But we have to build everything <laughs> out. <laughs> Sorry, ahead, I hate that argument. There's no way to disprove God. <laughs> but I just had to put that out there because that's basically it's why a, God has persisted in all these all of these religions. Because there's no concrete way to prove that something is there or isn't when there's yeah. no physical proof for it. I think right. That's a good argument. Like innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Um. Shoot, where was it? It's not exactly how everything works all yeah, the time. Like it's usually <laughs> guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> no, in some yeah. cases, yeah. yeah. Um, That's another topic that we probably won't we get will to. Never get <laughs> yeah, that's not hashtag Rittenhouse, right? Oh no, we are <laughs> avoiding it. No, no, no. <laughs> You're dating this oh, podcast. No. What a what well, that, uh, that happens what when I post the date. Nah. <laughs> you guys want to talk about Rittenhouse? No, no, no I'm not. I'm not right, right, no, it's it's let's not talk about it. Right, That'll be our last right. one. <laughs> different topic. No, the last one would be if we talked about gender. But oh yeah, true. We won't go there either. I believe that that would sink us. No, so no, he has a great faith that that would sink us. <laughs> He's got conviction. There's, that's that's much uh, more realistic. Yeah, yeah. So the difference between belief and faith, conviction, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Just how hard you believe, or just how hard you're sure of something. I guess. I believe there's kids out there that knowing that Santa isn't or is real doesn't matter to them. <laughs> they just enjoy Christmas and just like believing in Santa. Yeah. But I also believe that there are other kids that it's very detrimental to tell them Santa's real. And both of those beliefs, I don't have a great conviction in. I can be, someone could argue against me and I'd be like, you know what, that's a good argument. And I wouldn't, you know, argue with them. Yeah. My belief would change. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good to let kids believe in that kind of stuff? Santa, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, whatever? I personally don't think so. Personally, it's because... 
you lie to it's them. It's one of the first lies you tell your kids and that they know that you told them. They well, know that you're willing to manipulate the truth. On the flip side, though, does it make those children more aware of the fact that some people can mislead them? Yes, but it doesn't need to be their parents that mislead them. I agree. But, you know, it's just a thought. Parents are going to mislead their children <laughs> well, whether they mean to or not. It, I think yeah, but let it be unintentional. Don't give them intentionality <laughs> to your lies. I think most of the time it's like if you if you come at it like we're playing almost like a game. I think that's how it was presented to us. That's it's like, actually it's exactly a, how my parents yeah, did it. They say, we're going to play the Easter Bunny game or we're going to play the yeah, Santa game. It's like it's, mm. it's this thing that brings you presents every year. It's not real. Never will be. But know. let's play like it's real. And I when never, other people tell you that it's real, you just go, uh-huh. I have a problem with buying my daughter a gift and then saying that I didn't buy it for her. <laughs> I got that for you. I got this. <laughs> Santa. I'm Santa Claus. Where are my cookies? <laughs> well, I mean, you technically get to eat the cookies because <laughs> they're in way, your house. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, know. I think yeah. it's all right for them. I, I don't have a good reason why. I just, I don't see a... People, or kids have grown, grown up on Santa and all these other things for years yeah, now. Yeah, look how it turned out. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to have done too much harm. Uh, yeah, that's not a good argument, though. And it brought us Tim Allen as Santa Claus. Yellow. Like, personally... I believe that -hmm. the younger a kid is, the more militant you need to be about being very clear about what is right and what is wrong. As even the small stuff, even the little white lies, I think they need to be very clear that this is a lie and this is not good. And the older that they get, that's when when they can understand nuance and subtlety. Then you can start to relax how you present those things to them as far as you have control over it. That's very difficult to do, though. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Very very difficult. Just speaking as a parent, <clears throat> parent, geez, that was <clears throat> getting all choked up over there. Oh, <laughs> so talking about my kids, man. I no, know. I know. getting all wild up, getting all weepy. So, over how there. do you treat belief for kids? How do you like? What is it? What is it? How do you want your kid to believe in things? How does it? Or how is it like? I want my daughter to believe in things that help me growing up, like God. I never. <laughs> I'm always torn because I don't want to just push the belief of God on her because I don't I don't want her to believe in God just because her mom and dad told her to believe in God. You know, I want her to have that journey on her own. But I'm just I'm scared that she's going to come to a different conclusion that I did. But that's where prayer comes in for but there's a scripture Christian household. That all the parents love to bring up is raise a train to put child yeah. when it's young and when it's old, it will not depart. Yeah. Or yeah. they will not depart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just but if you push it too hard, then I feel like you push them in the opposite exactly, direction, yeah. and well, especially if you if you're like militant about it, and it's like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, and it's yeah. like, whenever you get older, you're like, I don't have to do any of that yeah. because yeah. I'm out of the house, I'm doing my own thing, I don't need to do this anymore. That's yeah, what I think I he's getting at is you're taking the decision out of it yeah. yes. when they're young. When they're young, like you kind of have to make a decision for them because they don't really, yeah, you know, they're not really <laughs> interacting or believing in anything too. They're they're critical. already having a difficult enough time taking all the information, learning how to much less making toilet. choices about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So you have to do that to some point, to some extent, when they're young. But as they get older, I don't know. I'll, I don't know where I'll be when yeah. when she gets older. But so I know your your both of your kids are young. Yeah. But ha- as they've been growing up, ha- how would you put that you've noticed them start believing in things like as their personality develops and they choose the things that they believe and their kind of faith? I know they're pretty young, so it's a little harder to tell, but. 
Like, how would you say that transformation looks like on the outside? As from when they were born till now, or from yeah, now like when the they future? were a baby, they didn't believe you could. They didn't believe anything. <laughs> they just smiled when they saw somebody smile, and they frowned when they saw somebody frown. <laughs> yeah. But as they develop their personality, and which means they develop their own structure of what they like, what they don't like, what they believe in, what they don't believe in, what they think is yeah. a lie, what they think is not. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how does that look from the outside? Well, in my case, I would say the best example I can think of, just off the top of my head, is my son. Whenever that was the chair, I swear. <laughs> my son, a lot of beans were involved. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, but my son, whenever I used to like leave the house to go to work or to go somewhere to do something. Uh, he would obviously like start crying. He's like, no, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't, you're not going to come back or whatever. He wouldn't say you don't that. Because ex- he- you don't exist after you leave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> literally no. after you leave their site, you don't exist anymore. Yeah. But That's it was how the, brain works. <laughs> it was the, the fact that like he didn't believe that I was going to come back. He thought I was leaving for good. Yeah. Right. But now as he's gotten older, he believes me when I say I'm going to be back in a little while. And it's like just coming over here tonight to record I told him, I was like, hey, buddy, I got to go. And he's like, okay, daddy, bye. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, he he's all, bye, yeah. get out of here. And he was upset, you know. But, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> no. he was. No, no, he's he was. All, he's yeah. all upset, but, no, you he know. Believes you he believes you. Because of repeated experience. Repetitive experience. I've proven to him that yeah. I will come back. Yeah. Okay, so there well, have been know, things we'll that have been repetitive <laughs> that your we'll children see. believe in because of evidence that they have mm-hmm. had in the past. Are there any beliefs that they, like, they have developed on their own that they cling on to that just you don't know exactly why? Yeah. Hucking a car at the wall is not a bad idea. That's a belief he has. <laughs> uh, she she clings uh, to that. My daughter has a rough idea of who Jesus is. And I haven't I haven't sat in her down and been like, you know, this is Jesus. This is a story. This is why we go to church, yada, yada, yada. She's, she's going along with it right now because she's just a kid. Just she a has true. a rough idea of it. She comes up with things all the time on her own. Like she, she developed the whole idea of a tooth fairy on not on her own off of YouTube. I'm getting, I'm guessing. But like we were in bed one day, and she just comes up to the, to, <laughs> to us in the bed. And she was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my tooth so I could put it under the pillow so that the tooth fairy can give me money." And like I, I've never taught her about the tooth fairy, so I was like, "Where are you getting all this information from? I don't get it." Could be so, other kids. Could be other kids too. Do mm-hmm. you think that's a good thing? I'm not going to tell her that there's no such thing as a tooth fairy. It's going to cost her money. Yeah. You think I guess it's the same tact that I'm taking as God. Like, I'm not going to tell her it's real or not real. She'll find out on her own. Now, you mm-hmm. brought up some good points. You you said YouTube. You said other kids. Do you think belief is an external experience? Like, it, it's based on your environment? It's connected to everyone else around you. Like, you, how internal slash external is belief? Like at what point? I think like I think eventually externally. it becomes cemented internally. But where does it begin? I think externally with what you see around you and what you experience in the world, and then you internalize it, and it kind of. You think there's any belief that you you can manifest on your own with no outside influence? I don't see how you would. If you don't know about something, then how can it exist to you? You know, like I don't know what's right. Well, behind there's my somebody head right here. who created Mormonism, so. Some dude in the, <laughs> yeah. said, I'm in a, the American wilderness. I wrote a book, um, and now I'm going to make you all believe it. Was it schizophrenics are really good in the belief area, right? Or in the um, creation, in the of, creation of... I don't know if this guy... 
any Mormons out there, we're not saying that your religion isn't real or that <laughs> this guy was schizophrenic. Just saying he invented a whole new religion very loosely based on another religion. Just because it's real doesn't mean it ain't full of crap. <laughs> and in I'm not fact, saying that about Mormons specifically. I'm just in saying. In fact, a lot of a lot of a lot of the stuff that's full of crap is very, very real. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something inherent in us. So something that has to do with the belief in God that's inherent inside of us. That's like built into our brain stems. If there were a child born in the wood and raised by wolves. We're not blind. They would, would have wolf Jesus. <laughs> would they have a belief in a higher power? Also known as Mogul. Probably, I think so. When our brains are built upwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like our brain stems, the bo- the farther down you get, the more lizard like we get. But how would that how would that look if if they did have a belief in a higher power? Because well, all that DNA What would ahead. their appeal to be? What would the higher power they would appeal to? I have no idea. It's just something innate in all of us, I think. We have we well, all have a religious they they, they pray to nature. Yeah. They they literally sacrificed to nature. We know that they, though. Once the hunter gatherers came around, right, or once they started doing, because initially the cave paintings were just mostly hunting daily activities. It was a little ritualistic, but there was no you. It was a, a hint that maybe they were appealing to nature, and the real appeals to nature and fertility all came about when humans were able to settle and create a society which means they were exchanging ideas and information, which would lead to the ex- the the idea of all belief being external before being internal. Yeah. I wonder if religion predates society. No. I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think... Not religion. Rel- just, uh, like... Belief in God, maybe? Like, like, like metaphysical in a, belief, something like that. Belief in a higher power. Yeah. I believe in some way... Mm-hmm probably did because i mean you knew that you were going to pass away and at some point i was going to return to the earth and it was a cycle and there has to be something over the cycle you have to explain that again (laughs) (laughs) so at some point whenever we were just hunting and gathering cave painting we were past the monkey stage yeah not quite (laughs) (laughs) yeah not very good artists we were we were we were in that like in between phase yeah uh but it was that everything is is cyclical. So you have the cycle of birth and death, and you know that someday you're going to die and return to the earth, and it's a cycle that is controlled by something. So there has to be something higher that is over it, technically, if, if that's what we think that an internal belief is. Yeah, just a higher order principle that governs the behavior. And Not that there's anything like... Not that there was a godlike figure; it's just that there's something higher than we know. Okay, yeah, God hasn't, God hadn't been discovered. Yeah, discovered. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think he's that must have come about whenever we started contemplating where we came from, how we got to where we are. When we I, had I time we, to stop running from the saber tooth and <laughs> the, the bear outdoor, yeah, we uh, we were able to sit down and go, man. Where'd those stars come from? And then we died of gangrene, and the next yeah. guy had to think about where the stars yeah. came from. Right. From a cut. That I think we- <laughs> once we start like having civilization and safety and numbers from like everything outside, then we can probably get enough downtime to sit down and actually think about ourselves and life. And become better artists. And become better artists. Yeah. So well, some of us never got that. Paintings, nope. Though. A lot of stick figures. Are you implying <laughs> that meditation is key yes. in belief? I think so. I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, 
in not wisdom. necessarily meditation in the traditional like sitting there with your legs crossed and you know, yeah all. meditation as far as like looking inward seeing yeah. what you're up to you know searching your own thoughts yeah and i uh, believe that's how most of i mean at some point i think that might have been how religion was like gotten is like first discovered yeah it's like mm-hmm. you internally think about it and then you hear something the knowledge of good and evil the I- fruit I remember uh, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. You think that was meditation? No. Might have been mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. It wasn't. They were apple. microdosing. There, there and then they just point, straight up dosed. You know the whole missing link theory and the evolution of man, that chart, whatever, the monkey gets more and more upright and there's a missing link in there. And then all of a sudden you get to like. I they, they said that was Lucy. That's what they say. I don't know. I think that missing link was somewhere where God pulled us out of the evolutionary chain. But there was a point where we were just animals and we were just like, I was at the zoo today and we were looking at the alligators and them alligators, pretty much all the animals just like sit there, you know, unless they're eating or just looking around, whatever. They just kind of sit there. It's because they're depressed. They're in a zoo. They're in a prison. But you see animals out in the wild. Animals out in the wild do that too. They just kind of sit and look. I think, I think we're going to do that. But there's something, there's something about, our past monkey selves that were just like sitting and looking and all of a sudden we just think like well you know, being an avid nature <laughs> documentarian here um most animals sit and look especially if they're predators to conserve energy mm-hmm. for the times of the day that they need to actually hunt or Attack. scavenge mm-hmm. yes no but i think i do think there's something about um the quiet moments because Every civilization out there, if it had any kind of form of writing or pictures or something like that, you can almost guarantee that they have at least a creation story yeah. about how the world, the entire world came to be. I think they found religion in like every tribe across the world, right? Like yep. they weren't even connected. They weren't talking to each other, but they all came up with this. That's why I think religion is like deep inside of ourselves and there's something to it that's truer than what we can know. You know it's ingrained in us deeply. Yeah. To have I, this thing to have this theory of like something beyond what we can see. I just remember uh we took I took an American lit class and it was Mar- uh some of the Native American creation tales. They were wild, man. One of them was like, yeah, there's just some fat dude that just kind of existed in the cosmos and then he slapped his hands on his belly and rubbed the oil from his belly together and that's how he made the earth i think in japan it was mm-hmm. like a, in Makes japan it's a, yeah. i could be getting this all wrong it might not even be japan but it was like a giant tortoise that was carrying a globe on its back and then this ethereal brother and sister made love and oh. out of that there was a, like he went to hades or something and she went down to save him and they ended up making love or something like that and then out of As that one it was with siblings when yeah, you save them yeah it, it was a and yeah. after that like humanity was born on that globe on the back of the tortoise and those are the the tortoise's <laughs> legs are the four pillars that hold up the earth you know like the bible had four pillars holds up the earth the biblical worldview is weird it's like your disc with a dome <laughs> on top of you and there's four pillars that hold up that disc that's and, the uh, flat earth theory what are you talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 what's mm. on the underside of the earth not flat earth you don't want to know you don't want to know uh, you ever seen gunk. inside a tortoise shell <laughs> <laughs> it must look pretty gnarly in there, <laughs> sorry creation myths believing in something i think we do we have an innate desire to believe and at some point to have conviction, to have faith in something. We need it because it does. I do think the terror theory has weight where we need it to like mm-hmm. 
to combat just that existential loneliness of purposeless life. Purposeless life. And no, no such thing as legacy, past, future, anything else. Just being a drifting ball of, of, of meaningless and yeah. meat and flesh when i uh, i read the stranger in high school and it changed my life albert camus he also wrote this essay the myth of sisyphus have you guys heard of the myth of sisyphus nope say that five times fast. the myth of sisyphus, sisyphus. the myth of sisyphus the myth of sisyphus well, <laughs> the myth is is uh it's not like prometheus it's kind of like prometheus where he's punished by the gods i can't remember what he did he brought down fire no, Prometheus. that's Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, Sisyphus oh, did something similar. I just can't remember what his offense to Zeus in the Pantheon was. He water. He had he led an insurrection against Zeus and lost. And his punishment was that he had to roll a boulder up a hill, up a hill for the rest of eternity, and then it'll roll down the other side, and he has to walk back down and push it up, and you know, you wash, rinse, repeat for eventually. For he would just pivot it on the top of the hill. I know, right? Mm. Well, you would think eventually it would just crush the hill from the pressure of it rolling up and down this is a godly hill okay yeah, godly no, it hill. doesn't oh, make dents you know? I didn't this know. isn't nathan's mattress topper okay personal attack nathan will remember this yeah, <laughs> so camus uh says that this is a great analogy for life because this is basically what we're doing we're rolling a hill up a hill we're rolling we're a rolling a hill up a we're rolling a boulder up <laughs> rolling a boulder up a hill and then it's like everything that you work for and strive for in life like once you receive like once you get it once you, you earn it. it like what happens when you die and nothing takes nothing you take you take nothing with you like out of all the striving out of all the people that you meet the connections that you have you know the empires you can build the books you can write whatever you're gonna die and nothing there's nothing you can take with you and even if you do have a good life and leave a, an amazing legacy and lots of children who do great things yada 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 whatever you know the sun will eventually get old enough to where it's going to expand and consume the earth everything will be die. The everything will death die of the universe yeah, everybody every, and every, even oh, everything will be die everything <laughs> my, my bad <laughs> And even even if we escape Earth, even if we escape Earth and make it to another planet and star hop for the rest of the billion years, whatever, eventually the great rip is going to happen in the universe and every star is going to die out. And it's going to go dark and cold and there's going to be no life and it's just going to shred itself apart. And that's all the end of all existence. by the chaos of the war. That's why the Bible, I think that's why the Bible says he who increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Because the more you learn about the universe and what's going to happen just with however they do their maths whatever everything dies you know and it's kind of sorrowful quick maths so and you, that's the show yeah no. that's the show you know it is sorrowful so how do you how do you, how do you fight that you know how do you fight that existential angst you get to where you learn that like i'm gonna die everything's gonna die everything i know so you become self-centered and you become personally like, so in the stranger personally i just watch a lot of tv and don't think about things that's how i fight it distract yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> distract yourself yeah. yeah that's one of the things that uh the protagonist in the stranger does like he sees he's slowly starting to realize this meaninglessness in life and the book starts with his mom dying and uh at oh, the well, you know, <laughs> ruining the, the God, book it's, still beginning. <laughs> it's a, a book i'm not gonna read it if there's either. a movie then i'll you know <laughs> I might watch it, yeah. <laughs> but only on my second screen <laughs> while Seinfeld's on the first one. <laughs> yeah. In the in the in the book, his mom dies, and at the wake, one of the one of her friends says something like, "You know, if it wasn't today, it's going to be another day or something like that." You know, death comes to all. So he's slowly starting to make this realization that like life is meaningless and pointless. That really affected me as a teenager. 
because I do. I, I think I already had that inclination and that kind of solidified it, you know. That death comes to all or that life is meaningless? Both. Both. Yes. <laughs> death had already been a subject in my mind, but the meaninglessness of, not, of life and existence. So uh, on a, like a tangent to that, when do you think children like learn about death? When does it become real? I think it depends on their experiences in life. I know my daughter does. She knows about it. I believe that children always have an inkling that death is a, is real. When does it but become they don't like know. for them? I don't know. What yeah, it is. that's what I think he's getting at. It, is uh, when do they realize, realize their own eventual it. death? One time, one when, time. Generally, it was for me. It was when people said, "You are going to die one day." <laughs> and then I was like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> all right, cool, <laughs> Look, man, thank you." I'm trying to watch Sonic going. <laughs> Uh, no. Well, I think like based on their life experiences, though, like you said, you know, Cameron, for instance, you had a lot more personal, in-depth experience and thought about it because of everything you had just to go stuff, through as yeah. a kid. But mm-hmm. other kids With, may not have had. Yeah, it just depends on to expo- those, on exposure. I mean, yeah. when a kid squashes an ant, he knows what he's doing. He knows mm-hmm. that that ant ain't coming back. Yeah, but still, he's not well, thinking about. Yeah, it might respawn. We talked about this last episode. <laughs> I've, I've never met a kid or a person <laughs> who squashed an ant and just not thought that they were ending whatever that ant was doing. I don't know. I don't know how they I've never met that. a kid that just goes, I'm just going to squash this. Why? I don't know. Well, a lot of them are just, <laughs> I don't know. I did. Yeah. They're, they don't know why they do it. They just do. Yeah, just do it. And especially with the, the magnifying glass and they're burning them, they just think it's cool. I don't know how my daughter got that's the a, idea. That's a little bit different because you're more focused on the fact that you're able to yeah, it's a science by, experiment. Do a spy science experiment <laughs> than you are that, that you're killing the ant. But if you get bitten by an ant and you squash the ant, the exact purpose of squashing that ant is to stop that ant from ever biting you again. Yeah. And, in, and even though you're not thinking about it as death, your brain knows and knows with it beyond a shadow of a doubt that this thing will never exist on the earth again. I don't know if they think that deeply about it as a kid, you know? Well, like, yeah, it's in the back made. of their brain. It's not oh, the forefront. Yeah, yeah. They're not at the forefront that goes, yes, the eventual death of all <laughs> things, and I am its master. <laughs> <laughs> I think you touched on something there, though, that I wanted to talk about. Is it the master quote? Uh, what? Jesus. I forgot what I was going to say. It's a, it's a weird movie. It's got Jocelyn Phoenix in master it. Master of death? No, the, the master word that you used is, I think that a lot of kids... Uh, may do that because they, it's a way of exerting power over another being. And they don't have power over their own lives in a lot of cases. So it gives them some mm-hmm. semblance of control. Yeah. I think that's part of it for sure. That's I think that's one of the things that's beneficial about having a pet. I think that every serious. kid that lives in Louisiana and has the strength to swing their arm has already squashed their fair share of mosquitoes. <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. So yeah. it's not always about power. Sometimes it is... Well, it's about <laughs> keeping it from yeah. hurting you. Yeah. yeah. I think as kids, babies are dependent, and then as they get a little older, they become interdependent, and then they'll eventually become independent. Hopefully. I still Sorry. haven't done that, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the great What's hope What's that like? Parents. So... We're all going to die. <laughs> How do we get over it? <laughs> How do we get over that? That's in the back of everyone's I, I, mind, I whether they know address, it or not. I do want to address what Garrett brought up was about having a pet so that it can die. I think we don't realize all the facets of death. I think very early on in our life, without being told, we understand what death is. We understand that it's an end. Oh, yeah. We understand that you can't carry on after death. 
and then once we have a grand a grandparent or a pet that dies, we understand further, much deeper, what death means to us. Mm-hmm. Per, yeah, yeah. It, but, our connection to death, not necessarily that we will die, but what it means when things around us die. So yeah. I have a dog, Maggie, and one night I walk into the room and my my wife is holding my daughter and she's like sobbing. My daughter sobbing. I'm like, what's going on? She was like, I don't want Maggie to go to doggy heaven. And I was like, what are you oh. talking about, baby? She was like, I don't want Maggie to go to doggy heaven. And I was like, you don't have to worry about that right now. And like, she's not going to doggy heaven soon. You basically said, oh, she's going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't want to lie to her and be like, oh, don't worry, baby. She's not. She's never going to die, you know? Don't but worry. I told it's her. not for another year or don't so. Worry. <laughs> she ain't going to doggy heaven. She's going to doggy heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, don't worry about it right now, basically. And she was just like uh is she uh, she's like are we gonna go to heaven i was like one day we'll be in heaven she started bawling again i was like don't worry we're gonna be together and she's like is maggie gonna be with us <laughs> that's that's when i lied to her <laughs> i know <laughs> i lied to her i don't no. know i said yeah maybe you let her watch the movie <laughs> all dogs go to heaven <laughs> i'm gonna show you a movie and then you tell me if you you let her make yeah. her own conclusions <laughs> yeah. and at uh at the funeral of our matriarch for the church we mm-hmm. i took her to the casket and she's looking at her and she the says matriarch yeah that was just a weirdly worded sentence it just sounded like the funeral for our matriarch i took her can to I the just casket say her name? Can I just say her name? No. you took your daughter <laughs> no it just sounded like you took like you picked her up from the coroner's table and that you brought her to the casket the way that sentence was worded yeah. in my brain i had the weirdest image ceiling, yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. like some heroic act that you were doing you know in lamentation and <laughs> you weren't I there how do you know he didn't do yeah. that it yeah. was i'm sorry I, I just wanted to i wanted to <laughs> share that there. image yeah. <laughs> i wanted to I, share I that image as it was in my head go ahead he meant he took his daughter to the casket during the viewing yeah. yes so i did do that and she looked at the casket and I can't say her name. So I'll just, she said, I want the matriarch to get up. I want the matriarch to get up. And the matriarch's um, granddaughter was there and she just started crying a little bit more. <laughs> but um, it was kind of sad. So she gets the concept of death, but I don't know like how much she, she doesn't really think about it. I don't think. I think kids have a struggle with, they know what death is, but they have a struggle with the power part of it where they want what they want should supersede that. Yeah, because for a lot of the kids' life, what they want is the most important thing to them. They don't understand the difference between a want and a need. Yeah. You know? And they don't understand the limitations of what can be granted for their desire. Yeah, exactly. But that's when they start to learn how little they have control over. Well... That's not when they start to learn it. That's it. Just solidifies it for them even more. How did this become a podcast about death? Yeah, well, if you believe that's, I think that's the reason why <laughs> if we you believe, believe you die. I think one of the main reasons for belief in general is because we we know we're going to die. So we're trying to believe that there's something there's, there's a purpose to our lives and that the life is not meaningless. So which I think is false. <laughs> in the modern day, do you think it's that we're getting away from a belief system? I think. A lot of people are. I think, I think absurdism. we're solidifying a new one. I think we believe the same way. We're just creating a new system around it. Mm. I think that... What do you, um, I'm no, sorry. go ahead. What do you mean by that? Like, what, what system are we creating? Like I said earlier, I think we are... We are appealing to authorities as if they are absolute nowadays because we are mm-hmm. so confident in the amount of knowledge that we have. People get a lot of faith when it comes to science. 
They have a lot yeah. of faith in science. And I know, and I know that it's a little, it's a little disingenuous to say mm. the religion of science. Yes, it is. People who believe in, believe like these studies that come out and the authorities who publish them aren't aren't doing it as like a conviction fanatical thing. But I think they are not. They're minimizing the things that would change that knowledge, such as the lack of information that they, the, the things that we don't know. The vast amount of that is kind of dismissed. Or that the authority that's releasing the information doesn't have any ulterior motives, whether it be monetary or political or even just their own mistakes. Um, like we we just have so much confidence in the information as long as two people, two different people are saying it. We just have conf- immediate confidence that that is a hundred percent true. And everyone yeah. these days will give lip service so of course we don't know everything and of course things change mm-hmm. but as soon as something is said they treat it as a hundred percent law like a commandment until it's said that it's not yeah. instead of going well right now this is the best course of action well not even only it, it doesn't even matter if it's said that it's not it has to be proven yeah. to be false yeah yeah, and even if it's it. proven, you know, sometimes. But I, I don't think that's just <laughs> well, science. I think I think that's in in it, the I think people had that space. same argument about religion back in the day, like in the conquistador era. You know, yeah, they think that these people believe, or these people. I, I don't know. I lost where I was going on that thought. That's all good. I think, and so I think weird. a lot of our entertainment becomes a new pseudo religion to a lot of people. The cults of personality. Like the cult system of the seventies and eighties, except it's shifted into being marketable. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's marketable and it makes monies now. Monies, monies. It, it makes, it it makes money now. It makes the money. Yeah. money. It makes money now, and you don't have to. <laughs> since the money's involved, you don't have to have people like fanatically defending you and giving you all their possessions because it's just yeah. a constant statistical stream. Yeah. The absurdism, that's uh, Albert Camus' philosophy on life. It's called absurdism. Oh. I don't know if he came up with it, but he's a part of it. He was a big proponent of it. But basically saying that life is absurd because of all these scientific facts that are coming out, that life, it does, it is pointing to a more meaningless scale, or more uh, more meaningless on the scale. You know? So, when you, like, I mean, Isaac Newton, my God, the contributions to science that my man made, and I might be wrong on the certain scientists, but I believe it was Isaac Newton that also believed in alchemy that he could turn lead to gold, which mm-hmm. was turned out to be totally stupid. <laughs> yeah. See, no matter how good your scientific hypothesis or outcome or whatever is, you're missing something. I don't know what, but you're missing something. Yeah. I mean, just because someone's an authority on something doesn't mean they're always right or there's not a huge flaw in the way that they present or interact with their facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't mean they're wrong. Wrong either. Wong. <laughs> one of them, at least one of them, has to have the last name of Wong, yeah. right? What are you talking be. about? There's a Doctor Wong. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a few of them. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't know. When I was a teenager, that the existential angst hit me pretty hard. But I got over it over the years. I built my own my own philosophy with the axiom of absurdism at the bottom. Because I do see life as meaningless and absurd a little bit. Because no matter what I gain in this life, I'm going to lose it eventually. Even if I can leave it to my daughter, she's going to lose it eventually. And her children, whatever. I changed my attitude. I waited until college to have my existential crisis. (laughs) But the current attitude I have is, is like, 
it's about the present. A lot of people get lost in what is in the future and what is in the past. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it that's doesn't what, that's matter That's the conclusion what, that Camus comes to in the book, that it's about your present situation. Yeah, because it doesn't really matter the what best of it. reality is or what the future or past may be. It's about what you can do right now and what you experience right now. Yeah. Like what you, what your giant. eyes and your knowledge bring in. Like you can't affect the things that you have no knowledge of. Yeah. But even if you are living for the moment, that's... I don't know, that still doesn't get rid of the angst. It it does for the moment. It's it's kind of just pushing it down. Yeah, it, you know? it's white noise. You you fill it with white noise. What's yeah. it going to be white? My, What's it going to be white? The philosophy, the philosophy that I built around it was that there it is meaningless. This whole life in this realm of existence is meaningless. Seems like it. However, there is a realm of existence that we cannot see and only slightly interact with and know nothing about or almost nothing about you know there's a there is a meaningful life that's on the other side of this life and that's what gives this meaningless life meaning <laughs> see that isn't the but, christian faith based on the fact that all souls are eternal either in heaven yeah, or mm-hmm. hell or you know in life in general yeah yeah how did we come to the conclusion that we were special though like when did we <laughs> when did we become the center of attention and why it's cause because we're, we're the, the only ones, ones that, that deal with us. Yeah, we're yeah. the ones that could recognize that we're the center of attention. If you put lipstick on a monkey, it's not going to know that it's wearing lipstick. It might. It will. <laughs> I mean, but we don't know. We don't know what an animal thinks. Well, we yeah, don't you, know what. If you put lipstick on a monkey and put it in front of a mirror, it's going to think it's another monkey. It won't know that it's him. Actually, know? they pass the mirror test. Yeah, cats they, sometimes some of them pass do. the mirror some animals test. Some animals do. Yeah. It's a it's a lot of fun to watch a video of people putting a random mirror, like a massive mirror in a jungle and watching oh, all, yeah, the all the animals jaguars <laughs> at the one time i saw a gorilla came across it and he was like yeah yeah he almost <laughs> broke the mirror uh-huh. yeah. yeah we're special are we yeah we are see and that's that's my thing is <laughs> so, like yeah. are we are we really special oh, yeah yeah we are yeah we are we climb humans, mountains we dig holes we go humans to space are special there. to humans and yeah. i think that's all that matters we are trying to we create a world we, we, where we are the special ones. There's but something about humans that's above all the animals in the. We are part of the animal I, kingdom, but we're not of the animal kingdom. You know, if we went in the animal kingdom, we would get destroyed. Oh by yeah, every most animal. definitely. <laughs> but if there was enough of us, if there was, we still if there, lose. No, if it was ten humans versus twenty wolves, but we had the right tools. You tools. Know? You see, this yeah. is. But what wolves? What tools do wolves have? Teeth. Close. Okay, but what does that do against a gun or you know a longsword? I a guarantee lot. you, every wolf or every monkey thinks they're more special than a human, yeah, regardless of what their mental well, capacities are. We know monkeys think that because if you go to a zoo, they will throw poop at you. Yes, they throw poop at each other though. <laughs> what yeah, freedom. they think they're better than every other monkey too. <laughs> what freedom? Yeah. I mean, mm. you can do it too. Yeah. No, Speaking I don't have things. the freedom to do it because yeah. I would yeah, go to jail. Do. No, I would go to jail. The monkey wouldn't. You still what have the freedom mean? to do it though. No, I don't, because they would get me and they would put me in jail if I started throwing poop at people. You don't have freedom after you do it. You have the freedom to do it. Totally. Consequences are later. Yeah. And hey, the inherent freedom. Everything, everything is illegal until you get caught doing some things. (laughs) Right. Right. True. We can talk about that. (laughs) Not true. Yeah. Well. Do you believe that or no? (laughs) I believe that with conviction, so I have faith in that. That's saying, is there objective good? Or is all good just subjective, moment to moment? Hmm. I think illegal and legal, we conflate with good and evil, and it's not. No, not the same. Legal is just whether you will be punished by other humans. Yep. I think all things are legal 
as long as other humans don't catch you because the only time something's illegal is if you get punished for it. Yeah, well, it doesn't make it okay. Illegal, it, it makes yeah. it legal and illegal. Not it's not, not wrong. Right. And right. Yeah, yeah okay. it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just and makes... that's morally. And where do you get morals from? And yeah. that's a whole different topic. Is it though? It kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> it's related. I'm pretty sure there's millions, maybe billions of dollars a year that go into talking about whether how morality is formed and where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah by much smarter individuals. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Case that's, in point. That's my surprise right there. That's the sound of my surprise. <laughs> the ghost wanted some water. <laughs> so, belief, we believe, we believe in a greater power, a post-life life, because we're scared of death. Yeah. I think we are scared of death. I love we're scared of the unknown. the idea that people say humans are special. I feel like that's a certain kind of pride. And in also, why would you say that humans time, are not special? Every time someone says humans are special, how do you define special? What what does special mean? Listen to what Miriam had to say. Different from everything else. I don't know. Well, we the are, monkeys, but we, then but we monkeys would be monkeys. special. Okay, so but we're still not exactly if, monkeys. If There's a big difference between us and monkeys. If different from everything else were the qualifier, monkeys would be special because they have thumbs. They are special. They're, they're different genus. They've got a different family. Yeah, but the way they go about their life is a lot different than us. Ah, is it? So there's the pride. There's the pride. What? Our way of life is best. It's not that it's I think special. It is. It's best. That's what they're really saying. You know, that if, you, if, humans, if one monkey crosses best. another monkey's borders, that the other monkeys will rip that ape apart, like are, limb by limb. You know what happens if we do? Yeah, same same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so are we yeah. that far evolved from? And actually, no. Not all. Not as. Not, we're not as dedicated to that rule as monkeys are. Like we can still be reasoned with. I think that's why it's arrogance, <laughs> though. It's because when people say humans are special, what they're really saying is humans are the best. Humans, humans are the humans best. are the are the thing that needs we're to the be best preserved above all else. Which is why there's such a conflict between people who are eco-warriors and people who aren't. Because eco-warriors come to believe that the earth is more important, but deep down they believe humans are still best. Because if they believe the earth is more important, they would be just killing all humans on it. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, that's, that's mm. a legal issue. Um, yeah. Is a legal issue, and there are eco-warriors who've literally blown up people yeah. before because people are bad. I think humans yep. are the best because we because we know. destroyed our world that we live in. How do we destroy it? Not yet. We've are, made it unlivable for ourselves. Yeah. Oh, everyone's living here still. Uh, yeah, I, right now. I actually, I actually think that give it Cameron, a couple of years. <laughs> I agree with Cameron in the fact that like, does it really matter if we destroy Earth or not? Because once we stop existing, I don't think we could destroy right? Earth if we tried. Right? I mean, we're, besides, we're a nu- besides a nuclear warfare, because even behind all the green, all the green uh, movement and everything else like that, is the idea of for human preservation. It's mm. not necessarily for the na- they talk about nature and they say how all these species need to survive and everything else, but really behind all of it is that we need to survive. And they believe yeah. this is the way that humans can survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because oh, if we get wiped out and the earth becomes toxic for 5 billion years, why does that matter? Because after 5 billion years, it can start the process again. Right yeah. over again. Uh, unless the sun explodes. And then there's me. another planet in the universe that could do it. I mean, if yeah. we don't exist, it doesn't matter. Not 
Mm-mm. That's what we all believe, right? If humans don't exist, what's the point of having the universe? If a movie's playing in a movie theater and no one's there to watch it, is the movie playing? Yes. I mean, yes. it is playing. It just no one well, cares. The, the projection has well, had to be there at one point. So, but he's not watching it. We have evidence, so, Cameron. The movie Cats was in theaters. <laughs> yeah, nobody watched it. But nobody was in there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I know somebody that watched it like three times, and I was like, "Why? You're crazy!" Yeah, all right, all right. You just put holes in my. They watched, they watched it three times, so you would ask them that question. Exactly. Yeah. Consciousness. They want to feel loved. Do you need consciousness for existence? No. Things to exist? Like, if there were no humans, would the universe still exist? I'm firmly in the belief camp that you do not need consciousness for existence. No. But you you guess you do, because you you, have to be conscious to experience the existence. As a a human being, as as to have a mind and what we believe is a soul, consciousness Mm. is necessary. I'm talking about consciousness across all animals. But the universe will still exist even if life doesn't exist. But there's no one there to experience it. So in what sense does it exist? It doesn't matter at that point, but it still exists. But no one's there to experience it. This is the tree falling in the woods thing, Mm. just in another way. I don't understand the fact that no one experiencing it invalidates the fact that it, it exists. exists. If no one yeah. was here, how would you prove that it exists? It doesn't matter if you... It doesn't, doesn't matter if you can it, prove it or prove not. It, it, yeah. it exists. It exists. Mm-hmm. Because you might never know about it, it would, but it, it does exist. It had to necessarily exist before for humans to have lived on it, to, to, to come about on it. Mm-hmm. God created the earth, and then he created humans. Are you saying the earth didn't exist until he put Adam on it? No, I think that... Uh, Jesus was the original consciousness that started the universe. And I think that we're all just outsprouts of that consciousness. Yeah. The Matrix. If, I don't think that's a word, but <laughs> you get it. It's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. I don't know. Belief. Belief. In the modern age. In the age of information. Yeah, so as the information grows, belief shrinks. Right? I think I, belief shifts. I, I don't think belief shrinks. I think faith shrinks. Conviction. Yeah. I will agree with that. I think yeah. conviction shrinks in the modern age. Mm-hmm. People are very wishy washy. Yes. Because there there's so much so many options. And there's so much noise. You don't have to stand firm you, on anything. You have so much noise that comes at you that you're like, Oh, this is right and then you mm-hmm. hear something the other day, like, Oh, well this could be right and then you've you've mm-hmm. got like conflicting opinions on everything. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a flaw in our in our way of using information. It's that we never... I think we embrace being open-minded so much that we don't allow any kind of things to take root. It takes years for trees to grow. It takes time to get rooted. It takes nutrients to grow. But we change our minds. We're so focused on changing our minds so often that none of the stuff we're standing on has any firm grounding. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think when people come out with these scientific theories or laws of nature, when they come out with it, people see how self-evident it is and say, oh, well, then, yeah, it's not God that, you know, brings the apple back down when I throw it up. It's gravity. But who created the gravity? Yeah, exactly. You're just putting a label on it. You didn't invent it. You're You're just putting a name on something that was already there. But because you put the name on it and put the theory and the math behind it, people just knock God out of the slats. They knock, they knock those slats out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that that's a huge thing is like science and God are never 
incongruous. Yes. They're yeah, able like, to harmoniously exist. There it is. I think it's it's yeah. uh, necessary for them to exist together. Yeah. Like they're both getting at the same question and they're both getting at, you know, what's a good life? How do you live a good life? You know, religion is more saying they're just going at it from different <clears throat> angles, I guess. One of them is like inwardly and the other one is like outwardly and how you live yeah. and how you can inter- interact with the world around you. And the other one is like, how can I feel? Yeah. I hate to say the like, word special, <laughs> but it, it is. I mean, that's that's exactly what religion makes you. It makes you special. Yeah, it does. It makes you feel special. It makes sorry. you feel special, yeah. Mm-hmm. You are special. <laughs> so what do, how do we apply this? What can we gain from all of this? Life is meaningless, but there's meaning afterwards, so stick with it. Hang in there, baby, as the cat on the line says. But what makes you not just like... Sad. <laughs> well, just I live, mean, and, live like, every if, day. If there's meaning after life. Why not just in life now? This life is what like was that absurdism a, thing you said. You got to create meaning in your life. It does. If yeah. if life means nothing, you are the creation of that meaning. It's a terrible idea. What was the question? <laughs> what did you say? What there? was the question you said? Okay, so if life has meaning after life, then why not? Why not in life day? now? Yeah, that is a good. Uh, that's a good point, isn't it? Because you go to hell. You go to hell if you commit suicide or murder. I think it's because yeah, you're a coward and you can't really do it because you're scared. Not not you. I mean, not you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just we're not trying to test okay, anybody for you. I want to put a put a big stop on that idea real quick. Yes. As far as I feel like it is the most cowardly way is to end life now to go on to your rewards later. Absolutely, yes. I yeah, completely yeah. agree with you. I'm just making a observation. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate. He's a good one. I would. And also, if someone has Mm. done it that you know, by the way, that doesn't make them a bad person for having a moment of weakness. It just Mm. happens that their moment of weakness was their last moment. Yeah, that doesn't make them a bad person for killing themselves. No, no, that doesn't. Even murderers are not necessarily mm. bad people. Mm. I mean, Depends I on the situation. People, <laughs> I, know the situation. People, I know that people don't like to agree with that. It could be a hot and heavy situation. That. You mm. can do an awful thing, and you're, the sum of your life does not mean that you're a bad yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. But the sum of your life, if you take your own life... I mean, it's it, the last moment of your life, but the sum of your life is still... There's still you life still touch, out there. You still touch people. You still yeah. made an impact in people's life. But sometimes what kind of an impact are you making once you kill yourself well that's a whole that, argument yeah. depends on what you use yeah that's like depends on how clean the argument is. is you should never kill <laughs> yourself Jesus. just to end your suffering yeah if you if you're if like there's there's situations where like yes it is way more beneficial to people around you but those are so niche and it's not in the modern mm. first world i wouldn't i don't necessarily think that being suicidal is in and of itself bad because i think of jews in concentration camps back in uh back in nazi germany like if i was there and i was starving and i was you know my family was dying left and right and i was carrying heavy salt sacks from one side of the compound to the other for no reason and you know all this stuff going on is like death would be a much better option agreed that means you would need more strength and it would but it's still in my opinion not doesn't make you a weak person or a bad person, but it still is that you weren't strong enough to carry on at that point. If you ended at that point, yeah, it just shows a lack of resilience. 
to stick through even though it may not I be just, yeah good. but i just want to in- emphasize that strength and that resilience is not like saying that that person had below average are below. In fact, they could have had immense resilience and immense strength, but they just didn't have just broke. the amount of strength that they needed to carry on. Which means that it for was, that one moment, it was a moment of right. weakness, regardless of what is going on. And that's not to say that they didn't have more strength than anybody else in this room. It just yeah. means that when it happened, it was they weren't strong enough. Mm. Yep. And if anyone out there needs to seek help for issues like this, please, please reach out and seek help. Because you are not alone and you do not have to make that decision, your final decision. There's hotlines, but we don't have it pulled up right now. Well, 1-800-273-8255. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Okay. Life is always worth it. As meaningless as life is, it's always worth it. No, no, I'm sorry. As horrible as life can get. As meaningless as <laughs> yeah. it is, you as can hor- still stick to No matter guess. how horrible it is, life is always worth it. I, yeah. I do. I mean, like, people say stop and smell the roses. But some of the worst, I mean, several years of severe depression, some of the, the moments that keep you going on is literally just that one moment where you step outside and it's just a nice day for half a second. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. living, I mean, living in the moment helps a lot with this. Yes. I mean, it, yes, yes, yes. You, you can't think about like, where am I going to be 10 years down the line? And it, or who's going to love me or how am I going to support? It, or, and it's hard to do that. It really is. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when you think about like, oh my God, I don't have what I'm supposed to have, like a job and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm just a, I'm a waste of space almost. Yeah. And I mean, it gets to that point. Especially with social media and everyone's living their best life on social media. And that's all you see. That's all fake. Yeah. Yeah, That's all fake. That's all fake. You're seeing a snapshot of their lives. You're not seeing anything behind it. You're not seeing anything else that they've gone through to try to get to that moment was after the iphone came out suicide and preteen girls went up like however many percentages (laughs) after social media well if you're constantly comparing yourself with everybody 24 7 it comes becomes hard Mm -hmm. to find self-worth because Mm -hmm. you're not creating your own self-worth you're using everyone else to create it for you well you're not even looking at their life you're looking at their one like i said that one snapshot through a filter as well Mm -hmm. those images have been doctored into they've that's not the first picture they took either oh, in no. most cases. There's a girl on Instagram that got divorced recently that's been using like some heavy filters on her. I don't know what it is about some of these women that like when they get divorced, they start, <laughs> I guess it's the insecurity of it all. They start using yeah. like heavy filters and all that kind of stuff. I didn't even recognize her. I was going through it. I was like, who is this on my feet? I don't understand. And then I had I looked at the the title. I was like, oh, what? That's a, yeah. that's another thing that I think we should discuss at one point is like uh, how catfishing has become so easy since the filters and the oh yeah like yeah like it is oh, actually man, your face world. but it's so manipulated that it doesn't even look anything like you. Yeah. One good way to fight depression is to unplug. <laughs> unplug. Not the life support. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't know how much we should joke about this. Uh, just to unplug from. Uh, I think it's okay to joke about it as long as you're not being serious. Yeah. And I mean, and people know. I mean, we, mm. if we ever joke about something like that, it's not a. It's a very odd opinion. <laughs> it's a, we're not it's being not serious. an opinion that it's, you should. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's a joke. It's it's never serious. It's never meant to hurt anybody. Just yeah. to put that out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unplugging from social media and getting outside. Good yep. things. Man, nothing makes me feel better than being outside with the sun on my face. Honestly, yeah. Un- unplugging entirely, not just from social media, but not looking at your phone, not looking at a computer, 
literally going outside and trying to experience the exact moment and place that you're in. Being yeah. in real life. Well, and interacting with other people as well and recognizing that they also are going through something. They're also dealing with issues that we don't know about. And you're dealing with things. They're dealing with things. But we just got to make the most of this life that we have and with each other. Yeah, yeah and you don't you want to you want to experience the raw elements of life as they come out unfiltered, and that and that that includes having to be in person for reaction for body language, all that kind of stuff. Because even text messages, you have too much time to go over how you're going to say it, why you're going to say mm-hmm. it. Yep. All those you don't That's why I sometimes like it. yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just need to be in person in the moment without any filter. kind of filter mm-hmm. or pre-planned message and just be real. Just be you. And if you don't vibe with somebody because you're being you and they're being them, that's okay. You just find someone that you do get along with that you, you're being real and they're, they're being real and you can just be real with those people. In this age of information overload, no matter what the facts say, all the facts and information, you have to believe that life is good and worth right. it every single day yeah but going back i mean i work in a like an office job and i stare at a screen for like 10 or 11 hours a day Mm -hmm. and some of the best times are just like sitting outside and like literally having nothing going on but just sitting there and looking at the grass and like the sky and you're like god it's been (laughs) it's been terrible these last couple (laughs) days you're just like i mean your body needs certain chemicals that are from the sun and from like vitamin d yeah it's like yeah. It, it's always nice to just get away from stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's nice to unplug. And with that, it's time for us to unplug <laughs> and head home. Yeah. We've been so, at this for a while. Over so random fact of the day though. Yeah. The what national, the national animal of Scotland is a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was pretty good. Nice. Cameron, you, know, I've been, you gotta. There go, we go. go ahead. There we go. A uh, quote of the day is from The Stranger by Albert Camus. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds strange. strange. It's I've never towards, heard of it. It's towards the end of the book. He's, I guess I have to spoil it. Another spoiler. Oh <laughs> <laughs> he's in a he's in a wagon on his way to prison, but he's looking up at the sky the and all the surroundings. Is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, on his way. What's his name? He's on. Yeah, what is The Stranger? <laughs> <thing? Just laughs> let him go. Let him go. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, keep going. If he tells us his name, he won't be the stranger anymore. Exactly. (laughs) It's okay. I was just making fun of you. So the stranger is on the way to prison and he's looking at the sky and all the familiar surroundings because he's going through his hometown, just noticing everything that he knows before. How do you know this is his hometown? He's a stranger. (laughs) (laughs) Or never pass. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Go ahead. I'm so sick of this. (laughs) Jesus. He's just noticing all the things in the sky and everything that he noticed before. And he says, and he thinks it's weird that he's noticing all these things that are exactly the same from the time when he was a free man, from the time that he's riding in this car down to the prison. And he says, as if familiar traces traced in summer skies can lead one just as easily to prison as to the sleep of the innocent. Which it has to do with absurdism. It's like all these things are still nice. The sky is still blue. I still see the same trees lining the same roads. You know, everything looks the same except before I was on my way home to go to bed after a glass of wine. But now I'm on my way to my prison cell that I've been in for months to stare at the wall. Mm. Hmm. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Like that's what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, there you go. <laughs> just gonna leave that weight yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Life is meaningless, but live it anyway. There you go. <laughs> Good messages with the mm. Autumn in your podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. We certainly did. We certainly got somewhere. I don't our... know if I learned anything, but we said a lot of stuff. <laughs> we did. Um, if you enjoyed it, please uh, subscribe rating review and all that kind of mess uh leave us a five-star review if you want if not it's fine just you know just don't leave a bad one um <laughs> message us topics and your opinions of the show what you think yeah you can email right. us at odd opinion pod at gmail.com or you can message us through instagram odd opinion pod odd opinion pod and um, I think it's the only social media we have. Yeah, it's the only social media mm-hmm. we have at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to work on some things behind the scenes. Hopefully, we get to unveil them soon. Um, but thank you all for joining us, as we said. And uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. C is kind of a. We'll hear you. You'll hear us <laughs> next time. Whatever, man. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>